right? This is what it's all about, isn't it? This is why we're here, isn't it? This is why we've got our vision, which our new vision, which we're talking about, which is loving God deeply, loving each other genuinely, and loving our community compassionately. Because there's, it's the greatest vision of all time, potentially. And it sounds quite a bold thing to say because obviously we've written it. But actually, it's the greatest vision of all time. But we know that is true because Jesus himself uttered those words when he was asked, basically, what does the whole law, what does the thousands of years of writing, everything in the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament, how can you sum that up? That's what he was asked by a Pharisee. And this Pharisee, and Jesus, and the Pharisee actually said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the greatest commandment. And that's where our vision statement comes from to love God deeply, to love each other genuinely, and to reach out into our community and love it with compassionate love and justice. That's what we're about. And Jesus prayed the night before he died. He prayed that we would live out that vision. He prayed that Christians, people in Bradford 2,000 years later, would live out that vision. He said, I pray for the believers, for people that are going to believe the apostles' message that will come later. That's you and me. That's right us right here, right now. He prayed that we would be one with God that we would love God deeply. He prayed that we would love each other, that we'd be one with each other. And he prayed that that love that we had for each other and for our neighbor, that would go beyond the boundaries of the people that we know, that we would love our community compassionately. And the love that we had for God and the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for our community would so shine out that the world would see that he is real. Next verse. Oh, I think we're quite behind, aren't we? Yeah. May they be in such perfect unity that the world will know that you've sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. How amazing that because of that, people in the world are going to see that God loves them as much as God loves Jesus. Wow. This is... Our heartbeat as a church, it's my heartbeat, it's your heartbeat, that we're going to reach out to a hurting and broken world where there's pain and say to people, God loves you. God can bring about restoration. God can bring about that healing. This is what we're about as a light church, to reach our community with compassion. Isn't that right, everyone? So that's our vision statement. But let's just flesh it out a bit so it's not just loving our community compassionately we've summarized that in three sort of verses we want to be a church that is passionate about sharing the goodness of God with our friends our neighbors and city we want the light church to be known to love the people of Bradford through consistently serving our community we want to be a church that's committed to bringing good news to the poor of Bradford we want to be a church that demonstrates to our city that God's love and power is real and active through hundreds of transformed lives. Fantastic. And boy, does Bradford need to know that it's loved. 
Boy, does Bradford really need to be served with compassionate justice and love. Isn't that the truth? When was the last time you walked through the city centre and you just look around and you think, wow. <laughs> Bradford needs to be transformed, doesn't it? There is so much need. There's so much hurt. There's so much brokenness that goes on. In my job as food bank manager, you know, I get to meet sort of, we, well, we help about 45 families every single week. And so many people come in with, you know, hurt and, and stuff that's gone in their lives and one thing after another. And you're just like, wow, how, do you, how are you even still functioning? You know, all of that stuff that's gone on in people's lives. You know, just in the last week, I'll just show you a photo of, um, oh yeah, so there's a few stats. I'll go back a bit, I'll say that. 29% of children in Bradford live below the poverty line. That's shocking, isn't it? That's a th nearly a third of children living below the poverty line. It's the fifth most deprived local authority in the UK. This is us. This is our city. This is our home. I'm just going to big up for Bradford now. But Bradford, love Bradford. You know, we are in Bradford. This is who we are. You know, shop in, I'm going to plug, but shop in Bradford. Make decisions to put your money, your resources in Bradford. Love this city practically. But this family, this is Danny and Michelle, they came in on Wednesday, and they don't mind me sharing, I've got permissions and everything. Um, but yeah, this is just one, one couple in the busyness of food bank, you know, I think we saw about 22 people, 22 families on Wednesday. This is one of, one of the families, Danny and Michelle. Basically, they were made homeless in London. So obviously, housing in London is really expensive, isn't it? So councils, any chance they can get, ship, are shipping people out of London and sending them up to Bradford. I've met quite a few families that's happening because it's, it's obviously cheaper. Um, it's cheaper for people to live up here. Then there's another family in the church that happened to, didn't it? Benita, happened to you, didn't it? Got shipped out of London up here to Bradford. Literally, you don't know anybody. You don't know anybody up here. You've got no friends, no family. All your support network's been taken away and you're put in a flat with nothing usually. Great. <laughs> and you're kind of meant to sort that out. And this is, this is why they came into Food Bank. And their kids, they've got four kids, and... Um, their kids weren't getting free school meals because that hadn't been sorted out. So basically, living on benefits and then their kids coming home from school really hungry and then just not having enough food to put on the table, so they'd be missing meals and things like this. So we managed to give them, because it's a big family, loads of food being given to them from Food Bank. So thank you very much for your generosity. <laughs> Woohoo! It's really good. A quick phone call, literally, I was on the phone for about 10 minutes and sorted out the free school meals. It's like quite easy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But they've been, they've been up here since May, so they've been living without that since May. And yeah, so they got, yeah, the lady was really, really nice for them at school. She was like, yeah, we can sort that out. They can have free school meals from tomorrow. I was like, excellent, I have that. Thank you very much. And then the highlight of my week, even my month, is meeting a lovely man who's here today. <laughs> I won't embarrass him too much by pointing him out. But um, yeah, so he just kind of broke my heart, really, you know, to hearing his story of the tragedy that happened in his life. And then that kind of meant that he ended up being homeless for 12 years. And now, due to a serious heart condition, he has been told by his doctor if he wants to see Christmas, he needs to come inside. So, yeah, so it's just, there's just so much pain and suffering, and that's around us all the time. And it's God's love in us. We want people to know God's love for them that they can experience that amazing father heart of God's love for them. And so, yeah, community in action. He's been moved into a flat, obviously, with nothing again. So put it on Facebook. Thank you very much for anybody that looked at that. Put it on Facebook, Church Note Facebook page. 
Um, Acts 4, 3, 5. So we've got people have given already a bed, a sofa, and a chest of drawers. And Acts 4, 3, 5 have come through already. So we've got 120 quid to spend on, I don't know, maybe a microwave or stuff. So how amazing is that? This is what we're doing as a church. And why are we doing it? Let's just, I know we all know there's so many people that are here because we love the poor and we love, we want to, we want to help people when they're vulnerable and when they're in a time of need. You know, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody, any one of us. We're all the same. We're all in it together. We don't know when a tragedy is going to strike. We don't know when debt's going to come up. We don't know when one of our children, I mean, worst ever nightmare as a parent. I can't believe the pain your mum must have gone through, Emma. Like, I can't, I just don't even want to start thinking about that. <laughs> it's like... But any of these things can happen to any one of us, so we're all in that place, aren't we? But when it does happen, when, if we are in that position of powerlessness and vulnerability and having yeah, no social power, God is our greatest defender. God specifically, time and time and time again, throughout the whole sweep of the Bible, consistently says... I identify with the poor. I identify with the marginalized. I protect the vulnerable. I am going to stand up for the weak. And I'm just going to take you through some Bible verses that you will, I'm sure, know. But I want you to, if this is your heartbeat, I want you to feel inspired and encouraged. If this is something you haven't really thought about or it's not really your, you know, your life's theme, I challenge you to make it one. Okay. So we see God identifying with the poor. Proverbs 13, 41, he says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honours God. Here he's saying, isn't he, if you're kind to somebody that's having a hard time, you're kind to me. It's as though I am there in that moment, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? God is identifying. He's saying that person is me. And we see this being repeated in the New Testament, don't we, from Matthew 25, when he's, Jesus is telling a parable about the end times and how people are going to be judged. And in it, he says, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes and clothes clothe you? When did we see you is sick or in prison or go and visit you? And the king, God, will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So when you feed the hungry, you are feeding me. Plug for food bank. When you give your food to food bank, you are feeding God. And they've got some little shopping lists on your way out. You can take one and put one in your wallet. <laughs> or if you can't be bothered to do that, just let me know and I'll set you up a standing order and we'll do it for you. Because they're so kind. <laughs> Yeah, God so identifies himself with the vulnerable and the powerless, people that happen to be living in poverty at that moment in time, that he actually introduces himself as it. When you introduce yourself to someone, you probably say, oh, I'm Josie, or, well, you wouldn't say that, obviously. You'd say your name. <laughs> but you'd say what you did, wouldn't you? Maybe your job title, or maybe you're the mum or the dad of someone. You know, that's kind of like your identity. But God says, I am a father to the fatherless. I am a defender of widows. 
God in his holy dwelling, he sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. That's just who he is. He cares for the poor and the marginalized. That's his identity. Just as God is a God of love, he's also a God of justice. And he fights for the equal treatment of all people. Come on. (laughs) He defends the poor and the vulnerable. He's on their side. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing, Deuteronomy 10. He gives justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly, protects the foreigners amongst us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but frustrates the plans of the wicked. So over and over again in the Old Testament, there's sort of four people groups that God always talks about, sort of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. So in those sort of groups in ancient times would have had no social power. Um, They wouldn't have had any recourse to income. They would be living at a sort of subsistence level, really, like living week to week for food, living off other people, potentially off other people's generosity. And I guess today people that are sort of vulnerable at the moment in time this is you know poverty is obviously a passing thing isn't it like sometimes you know you hit a hard time but it doesn't define you you don't stay there so when we say the poor we we sort of include sort of everyone that's having a hard time maybe debts caused that moment in time for people maybe unemployment have made them hit poverty or being a refugee being released from prison the homeless People, some people that receive benefits, so like 50, over 50% of the people that come into food bank on benefits, but benefit changes, benefit delays, benefit stops, have literally no money. So these are the people we're talking about. People that they don't have the necessarily the emotional and the mental reserves at that moment in time to fight against the massive systems on their own. Who's going to fight for them? God says... I'm fight for them. I'm their defender. And as his people, that's us. We will. We will, as the light church, we'll defend people. We'll stand up for people through everything that we do here, which is amazing. He calls us to do that. In Psalm 82, it says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? God says, if you know me, you will do this. Because if you know my identity, I am this person, I am a defender of the the poor, then you will do it as well. Is this not what it means to know me? It should be obvious and visible in our life the fact that we care for people that have hit hard times Micah 6 says what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God that's what it means to know God that's what it means that's what God requires of you to act justly to love mercy and the Hebrew word for justice is shizel which basically means God's unconditional grace and compassion. Oh, hold on, I said that wrong way around. The term for mercy, that's the term for mercy. But the term for justice is mishpat. And mishpat is kind of the action, and shidal is the attitude, the motivation behind it. 
So basically, God's saying, to walk with God, we must fight for justice for our neighbor with compassionate love. Or, what does the Lord require of you? You must love your community with compassion. So you've got to fight for justice with an attitude of compassion. One without the other doesn't work. You need to have both things together. Justice and compassion. So in, um, I don't think I've got time for this bit, actually. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. So um, in, the good, in the New Testament, Jesus tells this parable of the Good Samaritan, which I'll summarize this, but I'll, if I put it up on the screens. Essentially, um, a man was coming down from Jerusalem to Jer- Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And I'll summarize it so it's quicker. But basically... Two priests, two church people, two people that knew God and knew his laws, kind of saw this guy in the road, beaten up, bloody, on this sort of road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And they crossed over the other side of the road and kind of ignored him and kind of thought, oh, I've seen that, but let's pretend I haven't. Excellent. Carry on. But this Samaritan, the third person that came down the road, who was from a people group that was completely different to the Jewish population. Jesus was Jewish. He was talking to a Jewish audience. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. There was massive religious and racial divides. So this Samaritan that should have kind of hated this guy on the ground, who was a Jew, actually went over, this is the story that Jesus told, went over, picked up this guy, nursed him, washed his wounds, put him on his own donkey, and and made sure and carried him out of that dangerous place and asked an innkeeper to look after him and gave him the money to do that. So this parable at the time, this story would have been completely shocking, you know, because they hated each other. And Jesus was basically saying this, because this is just after he said, to know God, to love God, the greatest commandments is to love God with all your heart, soul and mind and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy said, okay, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus told this parable, told this story of basically saying, everybody is your neighbor, Whenever you see anybody in need, that is the person that you need to love. Whatever their race, whatever their religion, however different they are to you, you need to love them. Everybody is your neighbor. You need to act with compassionate love and mercy to everybody that you see in need. And this was like mind-blowing for people. But again, it's sort of saying, isn't it, this is God's agenda, that we will stand up with compassionate love for the the people, anybody that needs it in their hour of need. And kind of, we can really relate to this, can't we? Because I think the reasons why these people, the first two people, didn't stop are the reasons why we don't do stuff as well. So I bet that road, so in Jewish times, that road would have been really familiar to people was probably, you know, everyone knew it was quite dangerous. And this sort of stuff probably happened quite a lot. So maybe they just kind of glazed over. You know, when there's too much need, you get a bit of compassion fatigue. And it's just a bit like you can't help everyone, so what's kind of the point in helping anyone? And then you just don't end up doing anything. So they could have easily thought that. A lot of people think that. Maybe they were scared, because obviously, to stop and get involved takes a bit of guts, doesn't it? 
And when we see people, to actually get involved in somebody else's mess actually takes a bit of courage and hassle. You know, it's so much safer just to kind of pretend you haven't noticed and just carry on with your everyday life and whatever you're doing, whether you're going to the supermarket or whatever you happen to be on your way to do. And maybe they were just too busy. You know, this, I think busyness is the en one of the enemies of compassion, actually, is because you don't really see the person in front of you because you're so busy and your mind's full of other things. And sometimes you have to, just have to stop and go, hold on, God, I need to really see this person. I need to be in the moment with this person and not let all this other stuff get in my way. You know, they could have had like an important meeting. They could have been on the road and they're seriously like, oh no, seriously, I'm going to be late. I can't stop. I haven't got time for this. I'm just going to carry on. And all those reasons. But Jesus says the Samaritan went out of his way. It would have taken him loads longer, wouldn't it? Like he had a donkey. So basically he had a car. <laughs> he had transport. And then when he saw this guy, he basically had to put this other guy on his, on his donkey, which meant he couldn't walk. So he couldn't ride it. So he would have had to have taken him so much longer, wouldn't it? It taken him so much longer. It's massive hassle. It was costly. It was dangerous. It was an expense. You know, he had to pay this innkeeper quite a lot to look after him. You know, but Jesus basically says, at the end of this parable, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and have compassionate mercy. Go and fight for justice for anyone you see in need. Go and love your community with compassion. Go and do likewise. This is his challenge to the Jewish listeners at the time. This is his challenge to us. Go and love your community compassionately. And as a church, we do a lot of stuff to do this. So everyone that's sitting here, everyone that's part of this church corporately, we can say that we do love our church compassionately. When we set the church up 10 years ago, this is our heartbeat to make sure that we prioritised the needs of people in our community that were suffering. This is what we, this is, what we is our heartbeat. This is what we, we do, which is amazing. You know, we do that through so many different ministries. And next week, in our 10-year birthday, we're going to say some of the amazing stats of how many people we've reached over 10 years. But we've got Debt Help, which Gareth runs brilliantly, Cap Debt Help, where we work in partnership with Cap. Amazing. Stand up for people. Defend the rights of the poor and the marginalized. People that can't talk to creditors on their own, they're not going to be listened to. But with the weight of Cap's professionalism reputation behind them, get serious answers, people go debt-free. Job Club, Gareth also runs Tuesday night, starting up this week, isn't it, on Tuesday, fantastic. Helping people get back to work, mainly increasing people's confidence, and they've had some amazing results, which has been awesome. We do that too. Food Bank, we help thousands of people every year. We're feeding thousands of people every year, which is amazing, when people are just in a food crisis. TLG Education Centre. We've got a school in our church. How cool is that? <laughs> For excluded kids, 10 excluded kids. Come and receive the love and the attention of Andy Moten, Kira here, and also an intern that doesn't come to our church but travels in. Amazing. And the early education, which you've heard so amazingly from Emma. And in churches too. We run in churches in the winter that houses the homeless, working with Julie from in churches. So by giving, you're, when you give into this church, you are enabling all of that stuff to happen. 
to love your community compassionately. You're doing that already through our volunteering. Any volunteering that you guys do, anything that you give, your time, you are doing that. Thank you. At youth, the young people, when they take time to include people that come from, early from the education centre, we have loads of kids that come every night to youth from the education centre. That's all about including people that aren't like you. And the youth get to do that from an early age. How inspiring and encouraging is that? When you invite someone that you don't really know into your home, Jesus says, you welcome me. And when you see somebody in need, don't avoid them. Don't cross over the other side of the road. Don't be too busy. Don't have compassion fatigue. Make sure that you engage with people, even if you don't give them what they're asking for, which we kind of know we shouldn't quite a lot of the time. But we can still give love and we can still give interest to people that are on the streets. So that's why we have in our vision to love God compassionately, to love our community compassionately, because it's God's identity. It's his DNA. It's our DNA to fight for people for justice when they're in need. And he calls us to sacrificially give our time, our resources to help people in his name. And hopefully that self-sacrificing love means that lives get transformed. We have helped thousands of people in our city. And we have helped to transform hundreds of people's lives. And I went through our church database. We've got about 40 people in our church currently. So that doesn't include all the people that have kind of come and gone. But we've currently got about 40 people that have been reached that are part of our family through our outreach, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, come on. I just kind of thought it'd be cool if anybody that's like volunteered for anything in our outreach ministries or has been helped by any of our outreach ministries to kind of stand up so we can see that we are a church that is transforming our community but also we as a church are being transformed as we love our community compassionately we are all in it together we're being we're helping and we help so something like emma being helped now helping most of my food bank volunteers are people that have been helped and now helping. It's awesome. So thank you all so much for everything you do. We, as a church, we are loving our community compassionately. And it's God's heart that we do that. So I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel inspired about what we're doing. And I hope, if you've not thought about it as much before, that hopefully you will be encouraged to love your community with even more compassion and love. We're just going to... We did want to show a short a film, which is one of... Gaz's clients, a guy called Ben, who actually comes to this church, and it's about job club. So sorry it's a bit late, but we still want to show it. That's all right. Life didn't pan out the way I really would have liked it to be. You know, I had dreams, I had goals, I had ambitions. <laughs> Applied for these jobs and, and never hearing back. It was, I just didn't know where to go, I didn't know which direction to turn in anymore. It was all like frustration, like I was frustrated that I couldn't get anywhere, you know. Um, also, there was a lot of mental abuse from my stepfather during this eight year depression, um, stuck inside. I didn't want to go down even, I didn't want to leave my bedroom. Uh, uh, 
I never socialised, no friends, no girlfriend, no nothing. Um, my life's just dwindling away, you know, what's the point anymore? I got really depressed, the depression kicked in, my mental health got really bad. It was just a really dark place. It was, um, I felt, I mean, I even felt like suicide at one point. One friend from school, I mean, who calls in, he invited me out one night and um, the countless amount of times I said no and, and, and said I wasn't going out. This one time, some, I don't know, I just thought, you know what, you know, I will go out. And um, then Gareth, who I met at the bar, was, um, he introduced me into going to a job club and um, I started going to a job club. You know, I met more friendly people, um, more, more, more nice people, and uh, they, they were looking for jobs as well as myself. So, you know, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this, you know, because there's people like me, you know, you know, it's, it's good, it's a good atmosphere. It would kind of like let light in. That gave me a newfound confidence in myself. It gave me more self-esteem, you know, more reassurance. My anxiety started to go get less. You know, it's just like a lot of that dark stuff um, and a lot of my thought, dark thought process, a lot of it went away. It was only a matter of time then before I landed myself a job. And it was like, wow, this is what I wanted. I've got a job. Been there one year, one month now. You know, doing really well in work. But to have a job, it means the world. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm actually doing something with myself. I'm not at home in that dark place. I'm out and about, you know, got my own money. Um, I feel more independent in myself. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Gareth, he actually um, introduced me into the church, where he goes, which was a light church. And um, over time, started going frequently to this light church, you know, on Sundays. And um, I found that everyone was like, so, you know, open and nice and smiley and polite, you know, and loving and caring. And then it spiralled off to where I was actually going to the Alpha course. Now I'm on the right path, I know I am, I've got the Lord on my side. So I made the uh, decision to get baptised. It's a totally different world, it's been flipped upside down on its head and it's like, this is the life I want, I need to leave the darkness behind, you know, no more of that, push forward, you know, <laughs> it's great. Wow. Wow. What an amazing service. I, I was just thinking about that idea. That's what we look like when we move. That's brilliant because that looks like God. That we're looking like our Father. That's good. That's good news, everybody.